Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. We're here in Washington, D.C. in front of the White House just a week after the fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump was announced. Do you care? I didn't have any knowledge of it. So, I, I mean... He's, did you say he's been indicted? He's, he's been indicted. indicted. Oh, he's, oh, he's been indicted, really? That's interesting. <laughs> yes, I really, really care. That's the reason why I'm out here protesting. Only to the point that it's happened, but beyond that, no. I believe that he should be held accountable to the highest letter of the law. It's historical. It's never happened before, and I think people need to pay attention because it's not good for the nation. He's dangerous. The man is really dangerous. He tells a lot of lies. And he caused people to get into trouble, and he never gets into trouble himself, you know. He's never held accountable. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. Welcome to the show. We have a special edition of Notes from America this week in partnership with our friends at WABE in Atlanta, because as you may have heard, former President Donald Trump was booked complete with mugshot at the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta this past week. He was one of 19 people indicted in an alleged conspiracy to overturn the lawful results of the 2020 election in Georgia, which Trump lost narrowly. It is the former president's fourth indictment. Some have called it his most consequential. And for many reasons, this is a humongous and difficult moment in the history of American democracy, not least of them being that Donald Trump remains the far and away frontrunner for winning the Republican presidential nomination. And in that coming presidential election, Georgia's voters will almost certainly play a decisive role once again, which brings us to the question, What's on the mind of folks in Georgia right now? To try to help answer that, I'm joined by Rose Scott. She's the host of WABE's daily news magazine, Closer Look, and she's been covering life in Atlanta for more than two decades. Rose, welcome back to Notes from America. Kai, thank you. I appreciate it. You make me sound old, brother. <laughs> you are young and vital <laughs> and wise all at once. All at once, Rose. Appreciate that. Uh, um, so... How is all of this landing in the Atlanta area? I mean, reading national news, it feels like the story of the century. Is this a dominant part of the local conversation or not so much? Uh, it is. And I also think that perhaps people are a little bit relieved that uh, <laughs> all the international media and national media has uh, gone away from the residents that live near and around the downtown area. Um, but as you mentioned, Georgia as a state has been in the, the national spotlight in, in all of this for the last few years, couple of years at least. So we're kind of used to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But depending on depending on whom you ask, Kai, you'll get different answers in terms of uh, leading up to the indictment. You know, listen, we're not going to rehash was the election stolen because we all know the answer to that's that, done. right? That's done. Yeah, so let's move that on out the way. But now we get into obviously waiting on the trial. And then there are some people who still want to talk about should an indictment even been handed up? And, and we get into all those complexities. And yeah. so it depends on who you ask. Yeah. You probably will know what answers you're going to get. Right. So it, but is it a, a divisive conversation there, I guess? Or is it, maybe put it a different way, is it a motivating conversation there? That's the real question, you know? Like, are people like, yes, I want in this. This is going to impact my life. <laughs> See, you're going to make me get emails because I'm now I'm representing all of Georgia, all well, of Atlanta. Well, to, to, your, to your take, to your take as one of our uh, wise experts. You know, Kai, I think for a lot of people, it's about accountability and all of this. You know, I've been speaking to a lot of uh, experts and, and analysts and strategists leading up to this moment. And, and my team, my Closer Look team, does a really good job of making sure that we try to have voices from all different viewpoints, all different lenses about this. But the bottom line is that even with all the the excitement and, and, and all the, the press and everybody else here, it was a sad day. Mm. Um, and I don't care what side you're on. It's a sad day when you have a former president uh, being indicted and, and you see the mugshot. I mean, if we all want to point back to when we were in school and we learn about our forefathers and our founding fathers and what this nation was built upon and democracy and all of that, right? You know, all of this flies in the face of that. So it was yeah. a sad day. Yep. Um, I don't care what your political leaning is or your ideology is. It's sad, right? We shouldn't have to deal with this. Um, but yet also we're just a little bit over 24 hours away from three people being killed, three black people being killed in Jacksonville yep. um, through racist violence. So, so here we are, right? Yeah. yeah. And our thoughts, by the way, are with folks in Absolutely. Jacksonville tonight. Uh, uh, for if you did mix the, miss the news, what Rose is talking about is there were three black people were killed in Jacksonville uh, and a Dollar General um, by a white gunman who then killed himself. He had swastikas written on his rifle. Um, and just before that had been to a historically black, the campus of a historically black college nearby. Um, so that is meanwhile unfolding. Um, mm -hmm. well, I, I, I do want to open our phones for Georgia listeners as well. We want to see if you guys can help us report this story. We're going to take calls from all over the country later in this show, but for now we want to hear from Georgia in particular from a local perspective. How does this indictment matter? How much does it matter? Mm -hmm. how, how are you and your neighbors reacting to it? And more than that, how much does the debate over democracy matter to you and your community? And if your answer to any of those questions is, this does not matter in my community one bit, not at all, then what do you think is going to be important to Georgia voters in this coming election? Um, one place, Rose, that I'm particularly interested in hearing from, I'm hoping we'll get some calls from there, mm -hmm. uh, are the suburbs around Atlanta. Sure. Um, because uh, to me, they are kind of like a microcosm of the national political culture and maybe one of the most pivotal places on our national political map as a consequence. And I'm thinking about those districts where... Republican Governor Brian Kemp won in 2022, mm -hmm. uh, but where also Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock won. There are not a lot of districts like that left in the country. Mm -hmm. um, 
any sense of like what the vibe is in those places these days? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, you know, big broad question here, but like, what what's the vibe in those in, in those suburbs right now? You know, I, I think, and I want to back up a little bit because I think when you head into twenty twenty four and this big question of. You know, although Georgia now is really considered a battleground state, Kai, it's still not crystal clear in terms of is the state red or blue. Hmm. You know, it used to be. And and listen, Georgia had not gone to a Democratic president since Bill Clinton. So it used to be, you know, Democrats could rely on Atlanta and in a few you know counties around here and then the rest of Georgia. All right. It was always going to go to the Republicans. But, you know, it's changing. It's not that simple. I think in terms of the presidential election, and even though we've had the two most recent U.S. Senate wins by John Ossoff and most recently Reverend Raphael Warnock, you know, Democrats feel like they have some momentum here. But I think the 2024 outcome is is a major factor in deciding really what the political hue is of this of this peach state. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think with Brian Kemp as our governor, as the governor of Georgia and being able to come out against Donald Trump and his supporters and say the election was not stolen. Once he got over the hurdle of beating a Trump candidate, it kind of set him up. He's a major player here. And as a political strategist said to me, you know, Republicans are really going to try and, and sort of get into Brian Kemp's base, his, the Kemp base, not the Republican Mm -hmm. base, but the Kemp Kemp base. base. There's a difference there because he's, he's going to be key. Now, I don't know if he's going to run for, President, I don't know any of that, but I know he's key. And when you get into certain areas, I mean, obviously, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has her her base. But when you get outside of Georgia, you know, it really is going to depend on how well the Democrats are going to be able to persuade those yeah. those unsight yeah. those undecided yeah. voters. Yeah. I really think those who are Republican, I think they're going to stick to that, and I think they'll vote Republican. But there's still a lot of undecideds here too. Yeah. And I think that that's that's always been a challenge for Democrats. It was a it was a challenge for for Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Start introducing us. We'll we'll talk more about her after a break. But start introducing us to Fannie Willis. Uh, <laughs> she is uh, as she is understood locally. She's the lead prosecutor in Fulton County, overseeing this case. She's been a prosecutor for nineteen years. Her press office says she's got a ninety percent con- conviction rate. Uh, top line: What should we know about her? Well, you know, I was first introduced to Fonnie Willis years ago. I covered the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal, and I covered one of the first uh, trials for one of the educators um, who it was severed. It was a different, it was an intimidation um, case. And, and Fonny- just to say, this is this was a case in 2013. It's a really big national case in which yeah. she prosecuted a series of mostly black school teachers for uh, changing the results of a standardized test. Yes, in a, in a nutshell. Yes, there are some other optics in there. Kai. <laughs> okay. I, you know, right, I like right. I like I like to be fair, brother. So, but right. but for Fonnie Willis, uh, you know, and and I'm in and I'm watching her with the rest of the media in the courtroom. She's passionate. She's very audible. She comes with facts, as you would expect uh, most prosecutors to come with facts. I mean, we can have another conversation about the RICO charges, but um, it was thought that perhaps Fonnie Willis or some other prosecutor would you know succeed. Paul Howard, who was a longtime Fulton County District Attorney. Um, but as she put it, she heard the cries from the community. Um, there have been some cases where folks thought Paul Howard didn't do a good job. I mean, we could go all the way back to the, the, the Super Bowl murders here and, and also with Brian Nichols and, and, and whether or not how all of that played out. But 
Fonnie Willis said she answered the, the calls from the community. Uh, she beat Paul Howard. Some didn't think she could. She beat Paul Howard. And so here she is now. Um, she is a uh, daughter of a Black Panther. Um, for those that, that are in the HBCU <laughs> space, when I say uh, Howard, uh, I say H-U. <laughs> Howard University. She yeah, is a graduate yeah, of Howard she, University. She is a, she's a bison. So, um, you know, she, uh, as far as, the, you know, the conviction rate, I can't. I confirm that if that's what they say, then that's fine. She definitely inherited a backlog, I, I think, like so many offices uh, due to the pandemic. And um, I think that obviously this is the biggest stage that she's going to be presented on since the cheating scandal. We, we need to take a break. I want to ask a little more about we're going to hear a little more about Fannie Willis when we get back. This is a special edition of Notes from America in partnership with WABE in Atlanta. I'm Kai Wright, and I'm joined by WABE's Rose Scott. We're taking calls from Georgians this hour. From a local perspective, how much does former President Trump's indictment on racketeering charges matter to you and your community, and why? We'll talk more about Fonnie Willis after a break, and we will hear from you. Stay with us. Hey everyone, this is Kusha. I'm a producer. I want to remind you that if you have questions or comments about what you're listening to, we at the show would love to hear from you. Here's how. First, you can email us. The address is notes at wnyc.org. Second, you can send us a voice message. Just go to notesfromamerica.org and click on the green button a little bit down the page that says start recording. Finally, you can message us on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Notes with Kai. However you want to reach us, we'd love to hear from you and maybe use your message on the show. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and I'm joined by Rose Scott, host and executive producer of Closer Look, which is a daily news magazine that airs on WABE in Atlanta. She's been covering Atlanta for a real long time, and we, <laughs> and we are partnering with WABE this week to have a conversation about how the indictment, the fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump is landing in Georgia and in Atlanta. Uh, Rose, before we went to the break, you were giving us a bit of a profile of Fonnie Willis, who is the prosecutor in this case. And just to pull back a step, really what I'm, what I'm curious about is, is how she is thought of in Atlanta. Uh, because as a district attorney, it, it, she's not, as I understand it, one of the progressive reformers who have been vocal in recent years, right? Like she's more of a tough on crime type. Is that correct? 
I think that's a fair assessment, but also I spoke to Fonnie Willis right after she was she was elected, and you know she also believes in in having a a process that involves for certain defendants if they need some type of other conversion or some type of other services, you know uh, that that be a path for them. Um, but also, as you know, here in, in Atlanta, and it's not a secret, you know, Atlanta has had has had a spike in crime throughout the pandemic, like a, a lot of other cities. So I, I think that is a fair assessment. Um, but and she's also trying right now to uh, it's cases cases involving a rapper Young Thug and 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 alleged affiliation with gangs and and this that and the third. So I, I think that I think that's a fair assessment to say that. Yeah. Tough she's, on crime. She's got young thug from she's got from young thug to Donald Trump on her docket. Um, it's 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 quite. Well, there's a lot of jokes in there, but uh, you know, Kai, I, I you know I already got one email. We will we will leave it at that. <laughs> let's start taking some calls. Uh, let's go to Jacqueline in Johns Creek, Georgia. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jacqueline, do you have a sense of how um, this indictment is landing, both either for you or for folks in Johns Creek? Well, for me, uh, I'm, I'm 83 years old, and I've lived all over the United States in my lifetime. But if these people are guilty, they need to be to, to pay for their crimes. If they're not guilty, that's fine. Then they need to, they need to prove that too. But they need to go to court. I'm tired of these people that can get off because their name is Trump, or they've got money, or they know how to to work the system. It's a it's a fairness question for you. Well, then I that, but when the Republicans that were talking, I don't know whether they were debating, but they were talking, when they raised their hand and said that, that they would still support Trump if he were convicted of a felon, they want a felon in our, as a president? What? Does anyone think that's wrong? Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. frustrating as a fool for me. I'm, thank you for that, Jacqueline. So we got a vote for due process. Um, and uh, and just uh, so folks know, we are going to talk about that Republican debate, our talking, whichever one it was, uh, in some depth later in the show with Mona Sherrod from the from the Bulwark. Uh, before we next take the next call, it looked like, Rose, you were trying to get in there uh, about something Jacqueline said. No, I just wanted folks to understand for those outside of the Atlanta and Georgia area, Johns Creek, it's, a, it's in Fulton County. Uh, it, it's a northern suburb, um, a, a very affluent uh, part of the of North of Fulton County. Uh, and I'm glad that you're asking these questions, Kai, and that you're asking people to to weigh in because I'm curious to hear from different parts <laughs> yeah. of of Fulton County as well to see what people have to say. Which is to say that is that was an unexpected response for that area to you? To me, yes. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Uh, let's go to Chuck in Alfreda, Georgia. Chuck. Alpharetta, come on, Kai. Alpharetta, right. Georgia. I'm sorry. Get you know, it, I lived it. in Atlanta for a while. Yeah, it's look been at a you, while. Kai. All right, now. Chuck in Alpharetta, Georgia. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And how are you feeling about the indictment? How did it land for you, or how is it landing in your community? What do you want us to know? Well, I appreciate that politicians have a freedom of speech and are able to lie. But in a courtroom, you cannot lie. And the voters of Georgia deserve to know the truth. Somebody is lying. I don't presume to know who is lying, but I know someone is lying. And under oath, we are finally going to find out who. 
And Chuck, can I ask in terms of just how much this is a motivating factor in your politics or in the politics of people around you, does this feel like this is important or does this feel like this is a sideshow that has nothing to do with you? Well, I think it's important because we need to know that our ability to vote for our leaders is a pure process. And this really goes back to who is lying about the results of the election because somebody was lying. And so we need to know that so that then we can have confidence as we go to vote. Okay. Thank you for that, Chuck. Let's go to James in Stone Mountain, Georgia. James, welcome to the show. I'm currently uh, 66, approaching uh, 67 years old. And uh, I think uh, at this point, hearing the lady uh, earlier at 83 years old, her statement uh, was kind of on point with mine. I think it's very important for us to show our children that we are able to tell the truth, the difference between the the, uh, the money and power and whatever uh, gangsterism or whatever turns the channel. It should be brought out and has to be brought out if we're going to go into this AI world that we're talking about here. The truth has to be the light. And I think this indictment, the lady that has gone forward and put out all her energy and her life mm-hmm. on the line to uh, get to this point, I think it's uh, uh, plausible. And myself, speaking from the standpoint uh, coming in 1965, I, uh, my mother and I integrated a school system under the leadership of Charles Evers, who was uh, Negra Evers' brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a uh, kind of confusing to me to hear people who are uh, supposed to be pro-civil rights and some of them don't know what they are. Uh, To me, uh, Malcolm was on point with us being misled and uh, taken in the wrong direction uh, with education. We've been miseducated here because we're sorry. I I know you want to cut this short here, but uh, to hear people uh, so confused as to whether they're for Trump or they're for civil rights is uh, that's that's what tricks my mind here to uh, as to where we need to be going. And I can't see anything other than the truth. We got thank, to come up with the truth here. Thank you for that, James. Uh, before we take our next call, Rose, do, it, just to make sure I didn't miss something with James in terms of this idea of people for civil rights versus for the truth, is that is there a local debate there that I need to know about, or um, or is that just what James is feeling? No, I think, and this is where kind of where we get in a mix of this in terms of journalists as opposed to those who are sort of talk show host, and mm-hmm. I have a very good friend who is at another station who is uh, he's a he's a African American. He has how he identifies. He's very conservative. Leads a co-host a conservative viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, listen, um, elections are pivotal to our democratic process, right? Free and fair elections, right? That that's the core of it. We know that. Um, I get what James is saying. Uh, I don't know if if people have a different lens when it comes to challenging an election as opposed to challenging an election and then trying to change the results. 
Now, there are two different things there, right? Right, right. So as, as folks, as we watch this process unwind, and, and folks, and listen, Kai, some folks are going to go into this if it be, when the trial starts. Their minds are already made up. They don't care. You know, others are going to wait for the process to, to play out, and, and we shall see. But at the end of the day, if folks aren't understanding why we are even at this pivotal point, it's because elections are tied to, the, to our democracy. And if you can't understand that, I don't know what more I, I can do or you or anybody else can do. It seems like a straightforward point. <laughs> it does. Uh, let's go to Kumar in Smyrna, Georgia. Kumar, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Thank you. And am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yeah, it's actually Bureau Kumar. Okay. What, how, how, how is it landing for you? So, yeah, for me, I feel like this is a point in our, uh, in our country's history that has to, we have to go through it. Because we have to hold leaders accountable. I think this is something that Bonnie Willis is doing for the, I guess, history in the making, I would say. Because she's taking a lot of risks, like the other caller said. Like she's putting her life on the line. And as you can see, all those uh, pressuring that Trump's doing with the other, the other, you know, um, the previous indictment already. So I think he's already starting with this one, too. So I feel like uh, she needs to bring down the hammer on him to show that nobody, you know, everybody is equal. Everybody is the same in this country in terms of, you know, whether you hold office or not. And just like the previous caller said, that just because they have money, they're able to get out of it. And I feel like uh, we want to show that, that, no, just because if you are a leader, if you have power, you can't get out of something. You know, truth is truth. Okay. Thank you for that. One interesting side note, Rose, in the story of these indictments that I want to touch on uh, is the Fulton County Jail. Um, all this talk about fairness is part of what's bringing it to mind. This is where all of the powerful people who were booked last week uh, had to show up. And in most stories about the about the booking, you'll see this aside that the jail is this infamous place in Atlanta that's under federal investigation um, and that it's sort of weird to see these powerful people there. What's the story with that jail? The jail's a mess. It's a mess. Um, it is overcrowded. Uh, it is a backlog of folks who are still waiting to even go to trial. There are folks there who are detained for low-level offenses uh, but can't make bail. Uh, there are folks there who might need other services that the jail probably can't, can't provide at the moment. Um, the sheriff, Patrick Labatt, inherited a mess of a jail. Let's be really clear about that. Um, this is, Atlanta is in this perfect storm of, when we talk about law enforcement needs, needs of its people, and, and that intersection, and also how law enforcement engages with its people here. So, yeah, we've had some deaths, um, tragically. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like almost every other week there is a press release that uh, an individual was found unresponsive, an individual has died. It is a mess. I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues here who was reporting on Trump supporters in or around the jail. And uh, he happened to talk to someone who was coming out of the jail yeah. who had been there for two weeks and told my colleague Julian Virgin that we didn't have showers for two weeks. It's a, it should be shut down. Yeah. Uh, there's a debate about do we what do we do now? Sheriff Labatt says he needs a, a jail that's about one point something billion dollars. Mercedes-Benz Stadium cost that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a mess. It's a mess. 
And this is where these folks were indicted. And it's just when I hear all of this. Well, they got to get in. Well, I mean, they indicted. They got to get their mug shots and fingerprints like everybody else. Just like everybody else. And I just kind of hear as I'm hearing all of these callers talk about fairness. Um, I, 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 I can't shake that image. Uh, there's some degree of fairness, I guess, that everybody has to show well, up there. Well, 18 of them were able to get a bond. So, you know, but to a $200,000 bond for Donald Trump, yeah. probably nothing. Only 10% of that. But. Listen, the person who re- recently pe- was found unresponsive, who died, had a $5,000 bond for allegedly stealing a bottle of Advil and had a heart condition and was found unresponsive. Yeah. What's 10% of 5000 500 So <laughs> therein lies a problem, Kyle. Yeah. When you were last on the show, we talked a bit about Atlanta, the Atlanta area's overall evolution, both culturally and politically. You know, and we talked about how, you know, for years, Atlanta has been understood as a primary destination in the so-called reverse migration of Black people from the North to the South, um, and how this has had an impact uh, on on the political culture, obviously. Um, well, not obviously, but it has. Um, what about beyond the Black-White binary in Atlanta? Because also the Vietnamese-American community, the Korean-American community, um, of course, Latinos, the state is that certainly the Atlanta area is rapidly diversifying. And I'm just curious how that diversity is showing up in the political culture in general, not just on this Trump question, but just in general. What does it mean for Atlanta um, and, the, and, and the Atlanta area to start to become this really diverse place? Yeah, it's what Atlanta is supposed to be about, right? You know, I'm, I'm a product of the Black Mecca lure, Okay, I moved here in 1996 because of that lure, because of my friends telling me, go to Atlanta, you're going to be a journalist, Atlanta's this black mecca. Now, <laughs> I, I have some issues with that, too, but I was in my 20s. Um, because it, I, I tell people all the time, and I was, I'm asked this about Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is, I love this city next to my hometown of St. Louis. I love this city for its promise of what it can be because of its civil rights history, because of the institutions here because of its philanthropic pathway here, but also to this, like other cities, Atlanta has had to, or it needs to really reconcile some of these, these divisions. And that includes the black community. You know, that includes the, the sort of the, the elites, you know, everyone always points to Maynard Jackson about being that that template, that blueprint, I've said this a thousand times. Everyone that gets that runs for mayor gets elected and says, I'm 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 a product of what Maynard wanted. You know, and, and, and some have been trying to do that and others have have had some challenges. But if Atlanta is truly gonna be this this welcoming city and this city too busy to hate, it's got a lot, it's got issues, it's got to work through in terms of equity. You know, those yeah. zip codes that Maynard Jackson talked about. Some of those same zip, zip codes are still having the same issues. Mm. Meanwhile, the city is developing. It's booming. Um, but I, I love the city for the promise that it has and the ability that it can be all those things that lured me here in the first place. That is lovely sentiment. Um, before we, we start to wrap up, just to shift gears a bit, This speaking of Atlanta's history, this week is the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Uh, Atlanta, the capital of the civil rights movement in many ways because of the King family's roots there. What do you think about uh, right now as we're marking this anniversary? What's on your mind? 
Uh, you know, tomorrow on Closer Look Plug, uh, we're going <laughs> to actually examine this. And, you know, while we can, can point to the strides and the achievements since 1963, you know, and we're going to have folks offer reflection on this historic moment. Um, obviously, some of the same issues then and now. But also, I want to spotlight the role of women in the civil rights movement tomorrow with our guests. All our guests tomorrow on Closer Look are women. And and including uh, Elizabeth Omalami, whose father is Hosea Williams, who was there. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, I want to spotlight that. But also, too, you know, I know we're going to go to break, but if we're going to revisit these words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which everybody does every year, <laughs> as he stood on the steps of Lincoln Memorial, we know there's a great deal of work that has to be done in terms of truly being this nation guy, you know, free of inequities and injustices that are powered by policies. I do know. We're going to have to leave it there with Rose Scott. Rose is host of Closer Look, the daily news magazine airing on WAB in Atlanta. Thank you so much, Rose. Thank you, Kai. And thanks to everybody who called in. You can keep talking to us at notesfromamerica.org. Just look for the green record button and leave us a voicemail. Don't forget to include your name and where you're calling from. Notes from America is a production to WNYC Studios. A special thanks to WABE for partnering with us on tonight's show. I'm Kai Wright, and I will talk to you next Sunday. Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting, but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged.